Hey, sisters and brothers, I have a new sponsor, my friends Gary and Mary Lou from AlkalineWaterSoGood.com. They are international Kangen water distributors. Kangen water is delicious water created from Enagic's innovative water technology. Enagic is a 56-year-old Japanese company with 40 offices in 23 countries, including an office in Manila and eight offices in the U.S. And it is the leading manufacturer of alkaline ionizers and water filtration machines in the world. Not only do these devices filter your tap water, but they also produce ionized alkaline and acidic waters through electrolysis. These waters can be used for various purposes, including drinking, cooking, beauty, and cleaning. Can you imagine never buying bottled water again? The plastic and bottled water often contains BPA and other chemicals, which are proven to be hazardous to your health. And how much fun is it lugging cases of it from the market, recycling it, and you know, plastic is an environmental nightmare. According to Gary, it's also a great way to add an additional income stream. He's been selling machines for over 12 years internationally, and everyone needs the healthiest water in the world. So folks, if you have any questions about Kangen Water, check out their website at alkalinewatersogood.com. That's alkalinewatersogood.com. Or you can email them at gary at garyballin.com. Gary Ballin with two L's dot com. You're listening to the Wolf's Den Radio Show. Talk. Hello, brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers. This is Wolf Hamora with another episode of WDRS Talk, the Wolf's Den Radio Show Talk. I want to thank you very much for joining me again for another episode of my podcast, my simple podcast, and I'd like to thank you for your support. Anyway, um, this is going to be episode 11, and it's going to be another Stories from the Road episode, episode uh, part three of Stories from the Road. And uh, I don't know if you can hear to the background, but I'm driving on the Pacific Coast Highway. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, I got my uh, two hands on the wheel. I'm using my, uh, <clears throat> my, uh, my earphones mic microphone and it's a nice drive down the coast and it's sunset i'm just coming off work and uh it's beautiful anyway so part three of stories from the road if you are a new listener i just want to explain what stories from the road is um back in the day back in the 90s with my my band wolfgang uh we had a uh I don't know, uh, I would say a quarterly newsletter that uh, we gave to our fans who joined the fan club. We had a fan club and uh, an official fan club. And uh, if you signed up on there, you would get an, a quarterly newsletter. And I was in charge of that. I was the editor of the newsletter. And uh, one of the columns there was stories from the road. And I would write, um, you know, adventures that Wolfgang... Uh, had on tour or different uh, gigs different concerts and now is just the uh, continuation of that I'm turning all those written stories into um, I guess uh, how would you say it uh, vocalized 
stories <laughs> told uh, told uh, from the horse's mouth. All right. So um, anyway, that's that's how that originated. So that's why I'm doing it here on my podcast. So I uh, hope you guys are enjoying it so far. I hope you guys are having been enjoying the interviews uh, that I've been uh, posting. And please do subscribe to whatever page you're listening on. Please follow if you're um, on Spotify. Do a follow. If you are on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, and that, that's going to help me a lot, you know. And uh, so, and uh, that's how you can so, uh, show your support. And um, and I also want to thank my new sponsors, um, Gary Ballin, representing Kangan Water. Uh, I'm sure you you heard the ad before the show, and uh, please do check them out, GaryBallin.com, and also uh, Kangan Water. It's a really great machine, ionized water. Um, it, I, I, a friend of mine has it, and I've tried it, and it just—it's like the best tasting, freshest tasting water that uh, you can uh, you can drink. So do check him out, Kangen Water, GaryBallon.com. All right, let me. Uh, it's Sunday, January ten. And uh, let me just, I just want to talk about some things before I get to stories from the road. And uh, I'm sure everyone has known by now, unless you're living under a rock, what happened in the U.S. Capitol uh, <clears throat> about five days ago, last Wednesday. Anyway, it was just a very sad moment in American history that all these people have been led astray by the president of the United States and he and the president of the United I'm not going to say his name because it's not worth it the president of the United States actually incited a riot uh, you know uh, whatever they did they tried to storm the Capitol building and I don't know what they were going to do when they got in there because all of those people who tried to get in there they were they're all freaks they're all crazy they're all susceptible to uh, conspiracy theories and if you see each of them being interviewed by random people they just have all these different things they have don't they don't have a single cause that they're fighting for and uh, it's just a shame what happened and i hope that all those people who uh, stormed the capitol and made a fool out of themselves they all get arrested because they did break the law and the one who incited that riot should face consequences. If there's not, if if no one is going to face any consequences, if it's just the people who did it who are going to go to jail, if it's only them, and not the pe- politicians that incited them to do that stupid shit, then there goes there goes your double standard again, right? Because the politicians stay safe and they can do whatever the fuck they want without any consequence but the simple people that they fooled that they lied to that they manipulated that they uh, that they don't care about they're the ones going to pay the price they're the ones going to go to prison they're the ones going to be shamed for the rest of their life for something that they should not have done if they weren't fed lies and conspiracy theories Anyway, that's all I want to say about that. And uh, I hope that 
we got to educate people, man. It's all about education. The only, the only um, solution to ignorance and conspiracy theories is education. Tell the truth. You can hear the, the road noise around me. I hope it's not bothering you. But uh, tell the truth, man. The truth of the history, the bad stuff and the good stuff. You can't censor history, man. Because if you do, then peop- you know, future generations are not going to learn from the past. From the past bullshit. And the cycle will just go on and on and on. If it's not going to be this president, it's going to be another stupid ass asshole president down the line that's going to do the same thing. Because this one was not punished. Anyway, that's how I feel. I, I, I just wanted to tell you guys, I, I, want, I, I need to vent. And uh, that's why I have a podcast, so I can vent sometimes. I'm not going to vent like this all the time. I don't like talking about politics, but this is just too much. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. All right, moving on with the show. Stories from the Road, Part 3. So, um, I have a lot of stories lined up for you, but this one, I, I, I think I have to do it um, chronologically as much as I can. And uh, so, this one is going to be a couple of stories from uh, Wolfgang, the Wolfgang years and our uh, three different concerts in Iloilo City, which is in the Visayas. I'm sure every Filipino knows where Iloilo is. I'm sure there are a lot of Ilongos listening right now. I'm very bad at my at my uh, Hiligaynon, but uh, I hope you guys are doing great out there. And uh, so, yeah, so Iloilo, this was the first trip to Iloilo by Wolfgang was actually our first gig outside of Manila um, via an airplane. And um, so this was very exciting. So this was like a plane trip. You know, when, when bands go on tour in the Philippines, especially if you're, you know, you're popular or whatever, um, you don't pay for anything. You actually, and you don't pay for anything and you actually get paid your talent fee. But you don't pay for the plane ride. Don't, you don't pay for accommodations. You don't pay for anything, which is a very exciting life. So we were so excited that, you know, we were going to go on a plane and play in my hometown. That's my, not my hometown, but my family's um, origin, uh, place of origin. I don't know if you can hear this, but my God, these girls in front of me, in the car in front of me, they got the top down and they're singing their hearts out. <laughs> and they're having a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you can hear that in the background. But anyway, so Iloilo. We do, we, we, um, so we're excited, very excited, and, you know, um, we have a whole crew with us called Roadies Inc., which are pretty much, um, guys who, who, who would hang out, musicians who would hang out in Perf de Castro's, uh, uh, rehearsal studio in, uh, in Paranaque. So, you know, we became friends with them, and since they're musicians, we brought them on tour to be our technicians, you know. 
So each member had their own technician to help them with their equipment. So it was a lot of fun. We were a big group. And then we had our security guy, uh, the late and very great Dino Barton, who is a very good friend of mine, who was an OG in the 90s Pinoy scene. He was there when Razorback and Wolfgang started. And he passed away a couple of years ago. Very, very big loss. Very sad because he was like, he was like the best guy to go on tour with, man. He was the best guy to go on tour with. And, uh, and to quote him, when we, um, we, we, we flew to another city for another gig in another time in Cagayan de Oro, we, uh, we stayed in this really, really beautiful hotel in Cagayan de Oro. I think it's called Price. And um, we were roommates and and we go inside the room and you know when you when you go inside the hotel room that you're staying in you know it's nice and and uh clean and and high tech and whatever you're excited so and he would always say if we would end up in a in a nice hotel it was like Dino Barton would always say this is the life this is the life man so that's him uh, that's that's classic Dino Barton and uh we, I miss him a lot. We we all miss him. And uh my gosh, this I'm sorry, but uh I'm on the road, so these these ladies are trying to cross the street on a pedestrian lane and the other cars are not letting him through, so anyway, uh so this was his first tour as well, because you know, the first band he was hanging out with. So he was very excited, and he goes, well, I'm going to fucking make some brownies, man. Pot brownies for the plane. For the plane, right? For everybody to have fun. It's like, oh, fuck yeah. Got uh, one, you know, nothing wrong with some edibles <laughs> for the plane, right? So uh, that, was, uh, that was his plan. So we get to the airport. And, uh, excuse me. Um, and... Um, it's the old Manila domestic air- airport on in Tramo, and he comes in, and I think it was a very uh, during that time. It was um, security was kind of high in airports. I think because of, I think there were some terrorist attacks during that time, so the. Uh, the airports were a little tight on security and they had uh, bomb dogs and drug dogs. So when Dino, when Dino Barton um, arrives at the airport, uh, he, he doesn't see us. We already checked in before him. So we're already at the... Uh, at, uh, no, we go inside. We uh, have our baggage check. We did a baggage check, so we're in the check-in area. And uh, he follows... <laughs> He follows in, and he goes, and we're all like, oh, fuck, yeah, here's Dino. And then we go, okay, where are the brownies, man? And he's like, yeah, start handing out the brownies. And then he goes, it's like, man, I got, I, he's like telling everyone, he's like, I don't have them. I was like, why? I thought you were going to make them. And he goes, no, I, I the, the, you know, when I came in, there were all these dogs, you know, and, and, and Dino, uh, FYI, Dino is much older than the rest of us. You know, he he grew up in the he was he was a teenager in the 
in the 1970s. So he's, he was t- at least 10 years older than everyone in Wolfgang and the Roadies. So, you know, he was very, very experienced with law enforcement. <laughs> and one thing that you find out is that if there are sniffing dogs in the airport, that's a red flag. Do not bring, if you have edibles, if you got drugs, don't bring it in. So what, <laughs> so what Dino Barton did, of course, he didn't want to waste it. And uh, he, he actually prepared a whole Dunkin' Donuts takeout box. You know, that takeout box for Dunkin' Donuts for the, uh, for, the, for the donut holes. Not for the donuts, for the donut holes, those boxes. That was filled up with, with, uh, with pot brownies. And he ate them all. <laughs> he ate them all. And we were like, holy shit. You ate them all. It's like, how, how many were there? Oh, fuck. There were like eight or ten. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We were like, oh, my God, dude. And we are like, fuck. So, so, um, so, okay. So, <laughs> that's that. So, we start checking in our baggage, our instruments, and then we go to pre-departure, and then we get on the plane. This was actually a late night, um, a late night, uh, a red eye, a red eye flight late at night so we were the only ones on the plane which was really fun because we had the, all the plane to ourselves we were you know people were sitting in the front people were sitting in the back you know lying down on the chairs you know how it is if you find you know a whole row for yourself you fucking lie down on that fucking row man anyway so uh dino was in a he had his own row i had my own row but we were on a parallel we were on the same row but he had his own um, set of seats. I had my own set of seats. <laughs> so uh, airplane starts to take off. We do the takeoff. And Dino Barton just looks at me. You know, he turns his head, looks at me, and then I look at him. And he has this dire... <laughs> This dire expression on his face that I'm like, I'm like, dude, oh, look at that. Look at this fucking motorcycle asshole. Fuck you, man. Got so close in there. You know, I, I, I'll take a break from the story, okay? There's this stupid ass law here in California that when you're on the freeway that, and it's traffic, motorcyclists can go in between lanes. I get that. That's fine. But when they do it on private roads, when they do it on a small highway like PCH, in uh, you know, and all the car, it's just annoying as fuck. Anyway, sorry. Going back, so the plane takes off. Dino is super high on edibles, pot brownies. He gives me this dire look on his face. I'm like, dude, are you are you okay, man? And I'm like, and he's like. Oh, it's starting to hit, man. It's starting to hit. Because, of course, if you, if any of you out there have had edibles, you know that it doesn't hit right away. It'll take about 30 minutes on an empty stomach and even longer if you have, you know, if you ate something. So he, he ate those brownies when he, before baggage check, and it finally hit when the plane took off. 
<laughs> so he's like, holy shit. He's like on the plane shouting, oh shit. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh shit. Oh shit. And we're like, what the fuck is happening? He's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, Say it in Tagalog, but I'll translate it for you English speakers out there. He goes, "Putang ina, naglulup the loop yung aeroplano." Oh my God! Ah! <laughs> he was going, it's like the airplane's doing a loop, the loop, man. It's looping, it's looping. It's like, no, it's not looping. We're just going straight. Oh shit! It feels like it's looping, man. Holy shit! And but he was a very experienced, so he, you know, you can't do anything. You can't really freak out. Because you're in a, on an airplane. <laughs> it's like he can't go, land the plane, let me out. Like, no. Um, so he had to, you know, he had to uh, he had to suck it up, which I'm sure he's done it before, you know. Dino Barton is the man. He was our, uh, he's our sensei. He was our rock and roll sensei. And, uh, and he's, he's, he's gone through everything, rock and roll. And which which is why he also passed away young. But hey, man, he lived this life. He was always happy. He 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 seemed like he was always happy. He was never he was never angry at anybody, you know. And he was a good friend, and I miss him a lot. Rest in peace, Dino. Hey, sisters and brothers, I have a new sponsor, my friends Gary and Mary Lou from AlkalineWaterSoGood.com. They are international Kangen water distributors. Kangen water is delicious water created from Enagic's innovative water technology. Enagic is a 56-year-old Japanese company with 40 offices in 23 countries, including an office in Manila and eight offices in the U.S. And it is the leading manufacturer of alkaline ionizers and water filtration machines in the world. Not only do these devices filter your tap water, but they also produced ionized alkaline and acidic waters through electrolysis. These waters can be used for various purposes, including drinking, cooking, beauty, and cleaning. Can you imagine never buying bottled water again? The plastic in bottled water often contains BPA and other chemicals, which are proven to be hazardous to your health. And how much fun is it lugging cases of it from the market, recycling it, and you know... Plastic is an environmental nightmare. According to Gary, it's also a great way to add an additional income stream. He's been selling machines for over 12 years internationally, and everyone needs the healthiest water in the world. So folks, if you have any questions about Kangen Water, check out their website at alkalinewatersogood.com. That's alkalinewatersogood.com. Or you can email them at Gary at GaryBallon.com GaryBallon with two L's dot com So, we get to uh, we get to Iloilo and I'm there, you know the, the last time I, I went to Iloilo was as a, a, a young uh, as a kid, of course, and a young person a teenager, because that is the uh, hometown of my father's family and my my father is from La Paz. He was, I think, he was born in Haro, but but they were they were brought up in La Paz. I'm sure the Ilongos out there know what I'm talking about. Iloilo is a beautiful city, and right now it's the most beautiful city in the Philippines. And I dare you, I dare to challenge you, man. I dare you, show me another beautiful city. 
I'm sure there are other cities out there. I'm not shitting on other cities. And there are other cities out there that are really doing a great job, like Manila with Isco, like uh, Pasig with Vico, Soto, and then uh, and uh, Marikina with, with whoever's handling that. They're really trying their best to clean up their cities. But Iloilo, my friends, if you haven't been there, you have to go there. You have to see what it looks like when there is minimal to almost no, no corruption in the government because things get done shit gets done and they and this and during the whole pandemic they had the lowest cases because right away right away when the news came out that there was this motherfucking virus coming out of China and spreading throughout the world they hunkered down they they uh they filled up this whole warehouse with, uh, with uh, grain, grains of rice. A whole huge ass warehouse filled to the brim with sacks of, of, grain of grains of rice. And by the time, at the height of the pandemic in the Philippines, let's say uh, summertime here, when restaurants were closed, groceries were closed, markets were closed, no one could, and, and people didn't have work, so they didn't have, they didn't have food. They didn't have money to buy food. Motherfucking, the government of Iloilo gave everybody a sack of rice. Here's your food. Here are the taxes that you pay. You're getting it right now. So, folks, please do check out Iloilo City if you haven't been yet. It's beautiful. The people are beautiful. The women are fucking cute as as hell. They're, they're, they have these... The, 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 the dialect is, is so sweet. So when women speak the dialect, oh, my God, it's the best, dude. It's the best. Um, so, anyway, we get there. I'm, the last time I was there was I was a young kid. And now I'm, I'm, I'm coming as a musician, as a rocker, and I have no idea how Ilongos are with rock music. And that's the, that's the beauty about the tours that Wolfgang had back in the Philippines, is that I would discover just utter badassery because the people in every town that we would go this is pre-internet okay you gotta understand this is pre-internet there are already cell phones in the Philippines there are no cell phones in the in America Americans don't know what the fuck texting is at this time but Filipinos are texting left and right we're ex- experts already with our uh, Swiss made Nokia's right <coughs> anyway thank you <coughs> excuse me um so where are we? Iloilo, we get there. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Please do visit. It's a it's a great town. And the food is excellent. The food is excellent. So Wolfgang and its crew, being the foodies that we are, way before foodie the word foodie was invented. Uh, Wolfgang, we were into eating. The guys in Razorback who were who were our uh, brother band at the time, they were they were into the the juice. <laughs> they liked the alcohol, um, but Wolfgang, we preferred uh, the food. We would drink every now and then, but not as you know, not as <laughs> not as much and not as often as the guys from Razorback. Uh, 
Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, Iloilo, we were like, fuck yeah. This is like one of the the best foods in the Philippines. So, we go out. Uh, we do our thing. Um, radio interviews. We do our um, uh, a motorcade. Uh, here's another trivia. Uh, back in the day, if you were a, a popular band in the Philippines and you would do tours in the provinces... I have to, um, so this is pre-internet, like I said. So if you're outside of Manila, you're pretty much in the boondocks. During that time, okay, I'm not saying now. Now everybody has internet, everybody has cable TV, everybody's informed in the Philippines. We do not live in trees, okay, motherfuckers? We do not live in trees. <laughs> anyway, um, so during those that time in the 90s, uh what just like any other any society there are swindlers and uh you know people who rob rob you who steal money from you by doing schemes and all of that yeah the president of the united states is one of them and so what these kinds of people would do in these provinces is that they would uh they would promote a fake concert of maybe Wolfgang or the Eraserheads or River Maya or Parokin Edgar or Barbie or Kitchi Nadal, whoever, whoever was popular at the time. They would come up with a fake concert, sell tickets, and of course, if, you're, if it's a popular band, you get sold out. You, you sell a lot of tickets, especially in the big cities. And they would run. And they would just st- take the money and run, man. Just like Steve Miller sings, you know, take the money and run. Run, I mean, run, not wrong, run. <laughs> um, so, legitimate promoters, concert promoters, that want, that did actual concerts, they had to do this thing called a motorcade, where the band gets on a pickup truck, and we get on the on the cabin in the back. Of course, this is the Philippines. You can ride a pickup truck in the back, no problem, man. And we go, you go around the city, and you're like the Pope. Everyone's coming out of their business. Everyone's coming out of the restaurant because it's a big ass deal. And these are small towns, you know, with small streets. So if they see if they hear a ruckus, everyone comes out. Say, what the hell's going on? And then. <laughs> Half the people, of course, the young people who are there, who know who you are, they're just excited. It's like, yeah, you're you're here, man. Fuck yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and uh, and of course, the people who don't know who you are, they're just like, who the hell is that? You know. But the point of the motorcade is that it's to show proof that the band whose concert they're promoting is actually here. It's actually in your town, and they're they're actually here, and you're seeing them wave at you from, you know, from on top of a pickup truck. So every city that we ever toured in, we had <clears throat> we had to do that, as well as all those other popular bands in in uh, back in the day. And I'm sure they'll tell you the same thing. And those motorcades were fun, and because um, you see the people, man, you see the people. That's why I, you know. That's why I'm I'm 
I'm I'm uh, uh, I, I, I am attracted to to uh, politicians and artists who are people oriented, like Bernie Sanders and whatnot, because it's great. Those motorcades actually taught me taught me something. Okay, so now I'm back home. I'm parking the car, and I'm gonna stay here because it's a nice. The actual the car is an actual nice studio that you can record in because it's you can keep the noise inside. Anyway, so we do our motorcade, and uh, we get to the gig the next day. Of course, every meal is just wonderful. Every meal is just oh my god, this is I know all of this food because this is my 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 parent my my dad's hometown. You know, I know this food. I know I know I can understand the language. You know. I know where things are. And so it was exciting for me, you know. It was, it, it, yeah. So um, the gig was going to be at UP of the Visayas, University of the Philippines in the Visayas, UP Iloilo. And uh, um, there, there are a lot, of, uh, there, a lot of universities in the Philippines, and especially in Iloilo, you got uh, UP, you have San Agustin, you have Assumption Assumption High School. I don't know if there's Assumption College over there, but there's Assumption High School. And, um, yeah. And we all know, man, college students, man, they're the ones. They're the ones that they're, they're at their, uh, the time of their life. Where at, they, are at, they are at their peak or, or, or getting to their peak. So we get to the venue, and it's an open field, like uh, um I would I would compare it to UP Diliman's Diliman's um, Sunken Garden. Oh, we Wolfgang had a lot of fucking intense gigs at Sunken Garden as well. So this one reminded us of it, and um, you can hear the sirens outside. Um, so packed house. There's so many people in front uh, in front of us in the audience, and we start playing. I think I think when we 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 get on the stage and people are already you know freaking out you know because I'm going to assume that rock bands don't go to these places especially during the 90s before this before us before the Eraserheads before that it was just a local band you know local people and this was like Metallica coming into your hometown so everyone every fucking young person was there and once we start playing, holy shit. I've never seen mayhem before. Before this. I've seen slam dancing in Kalye. Slam dancing during our gigs at Weekends Live. Maybe you know, Club Dread, maybe. I don't know if we even... We have we've been we've played in Club Dread by this time yet I'm not sure, but that's the extent of of wildness I've seen in a rock show. So this is the first time I'm seeing fucking mayhem, and it is wild. It's just fucking wild, man. Everyone's fucking slamming into each other. No one's no one's fighting. Everyone's just slap dancing. Everyone's pogoing. Everyone's fucking just, oh, I mean, it was like an exorcism 
like I've never seen before because I've never seen an audience re- react like that to my music. And it was just a joy to watch, man. It's a fucking joy. I'm picturing it in my head right now. And all I see are, are just heads and hair and hands and arms flailing and just, oh, just awesome, man. And we go through our set. I think we have a 90-minute set and everything. We, ju- we just fucking play everything we know from original songs to cover songs. I think it's just the first album out by that time. And so when we play songs like Arise and fucking Natutulog Kumundo and Halik Ni Judas, it's just fucking World War Three in the audience. But no one's, no, they're not fighting. We didn't have to stop for any violence. But here's the funny thing. The security that they hired for this concert, of course, there's no such thing as concert security back in the day, especially in the provinces. Um, they hired the local Philippine National Police, the PNP, which is like, um, not the FBI, but, um, you know, the top cops. They're not actually local cops, but they're the, the country cops, the country's cops. So, um, they have access to, I guess, better weapons or, or, or stuff like that. But anyway, so there were these two fucking uh, policemen on either side of me on the drum set. And they were looking at the audience. like Because if I have never seen this before, they have never seen this before. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> they have never seen this before. This before. And they're older. They're, they're older guys who are conservative Ilongos who have, and police <laughs> and policemen who have never seen, the, seen this kind of, of, of audience reaction. They've never seen slam dancing. They've, they don't know what the fuck it is. Of course, the people in the crowd, they know what that is because they're hip, you know. Um, so I remember, I can still picture it in my mind right now, this dude, I, I can't see, I don't remember his face, but I can, I can remember the expression on his face was like, what the fuck is going on? And what the fuck do I do? What the fuck are we gonna do with this? They're all—they're killing each other. Of course, they were not killing each other. They were slam dancing, but to a, to the eyes of a, a, pol- a policeman who's who's probably twenty, thirty years older than we are, it was fucking—you uh, know—it was a big rumble. And he had a, he had an M sixteen with with the magazine. <laughs> with the fucking magazine and then I see I look to my left and it's another cop and uh, they're just fucking I, they, <laughs> it was scary man it was really scary the expressions on their face because they didn't know what was going on they they thought it was violence so they, they were like already probably thinking in their head it's like what what the fuck are we going to do are we going to handle this or by shooting everybody by shooting in the air or what and I was like holy fuck and I was like, uh, please, Lord, don't let these cops fucking freak out. Um, it's always the cops, huh? <laughs> but to their credit, they did not freak out. They were, they were cool. They were cool. So, um, and <laughs> after us, the, we ended one song, it was just, I'm just telling you people, it's all, it was all mayhem. It's just mayhem. Fucking everyone is having a good time. Fucking mayhem. 
<laughs> I loved it. Um, so our manager at the time, our road manager and manager, uh, he comes up to me and he goes, Wolf, we're going to have to cut off the set because, you know, it's too, it's too, uh, it's too mayhem. <laughs> There's so much mayhem. And uh, um, I fucking, I, I lost it, man. I lost it. And I really, I felt, I felt so bad about it right after I did it. I, I screamed at him. I gave him the finger. I was like, fuck off, man. Shut the fuck off and fuck off. And I, right, and I saw the expression in his face. And right away, I felt so bad. And I apologized for doing that. Um, I don't know if I, I don't remember if I apologized. I think I apologized to him. But if I did not, I apologize, man. But I was so in the moment. I was so heated that I was like, no, there's no fucking way that we are stopping the show. Because this is, we, are, we all, we know, me and the manager, we know that they're not violent. The slam, they're just slam dancing. So don't tell me to stop it. You need to explain to the cops and the promoter that they're not being violent. They're slam dancing. That's how they express themselves. That's how young people express themselves. So it's your job to explain to them, we're not shutting this down. Because if we shut this down, you're going to have a full-on riot. So... We finished the show, and I don't really remember anything else after that. I remember, of course, every meal was just awesome. And uh, and then we go home. We go back to Manila. Great story to tell. And then we visit Iloilo two, two or three more times after that. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve the stories for those two other gigs. Um, for another episode because uh, I, I think you enjoyed this one <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that show if you were there um, leave a comment if you were in any of our shows in Iloilo do leave a, leave a comment in uh, in the comment section of course and uh, I really really appreciate your support for my band Wolfgang back in the day if you were a fan of Wolfgang thank you I love you so much you guys, the fans of Wolfgang, are the best fans. They they stuck with us until the end, and even until now, they're still listening to our music. And it just, um, my heart is full when I think about it. So thank you, everybody. And so that's it. Stories from the Road, Part 3, Iloilo. I'll see you next week again for another episode, for an actual episode with an interview and it's going to be with songwriters Paul Putian of Coffee Break Island and Bobby Belingit of The Woods. It's going to be a great fucking episode. So join me next time. And thank you very much for, doing, uh, for joining me for this episode. Please subscribe to the channels that you're listening to this on. Because I need the likes. I need the subscribers. And I want to thank Gary Ballen and Marilu Valdez and Kangen Water for their support, for their sponsorship. I really appreciate it. I'll see you next week, sisters and brothers. Please be safe out there. Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance, respect others, be kind to others. Stop believing conspiracy theories. Live in truth. The truth will set you free. Peace. <laughs>